We will meet and speak with Ashok Hariharan. Ashok is an alumnus of the Indian School of Business Hyderabad and is the co-founder and CEO of Baldor Technologies Private Limited or as it's better known IDFI. I was pretty intrigued by what he said about Indians being naive when it comes to getting into long-term relationships, marriages, etc and that they don't don't do uh, due diligence on the people that they are getting into relationships with. What do you think of that? That's right. I I think uh, I was a little taken aback by what he said as well and uh, I think it's really interesting the way someone like Ashok who's not a lawyer who's not from the legal industry in a, in a, in the traditional sense is interfacing with the legal system to try and help solve some of the problems that happen because of this because of how we are so naive about the people that we enter into relationships with. But why don't we just jump right in and let Ashok do the rest of the talking? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm Ashok. I uh, started IDFI about seven years back. I, I started a company before that as well. Uh, so this is my second one, and been a, been an exciting ride for, for the last seven years. We continue to do interesting things on a daily basis, which keeps me going. In terms of Hum Labs, I think great initiative. Um, uh, I love Agami Prize, which is one one thing that has come out of it. Um, I know I've known Sachin uh, and Bhavan for a long time. hopefully this will sort of move uh, move the legal needle forward quite a bit in trying to get innovation into into the space hi ashok thanks once again <laughs> for taking the time to meet with us um i've of course known you for a really long time and and we've worked together in many different contexts in the past but um, i think everyone who's listening in would love to hear a little bit more about uh, what id5 does uh, what sort of work you guys are involved in um, how you reached this point So, please just tell us a little more about that, especially why IDFI and what does the name mean? Uh, IDFI essentially stands for Identify. Um, the idea behind IDFI was always about detecting fraud in transactions, um, and we wanted to detect uh, obviously fraud in all kinds of transactions. So, we do this across HR, financial services, uh, what you would call sharing economy, the likes of Airbnb, etc. Uh, or a shadi any anywhere what i call sharing economies anywhere where two uh, individuals are interacting with each other through uh, online medium uh, so between hr sharing economy and financial services we sort of try to detect as much fraud right now we are focusing on primarily onboarding fraud mm-hmm. um, but we you know you never know maybe, maybe tomorrow we might go into transactional fraud as well So by onboarding fraud, you mean uh, employees or potential employees who might be joining organizations. That's uh, that's on the HR side. Okay. On the financial services side, it might be a person who's applying applying for a new insurance policy or or a credit card or a loan or or a casa uh, bank account. Right. On the sharing economy side, it might be at the point of signing up. Um, so when a relationship is first commenced. First commenced. That's right. And and how did you think of this? Was it just you? Were there other people? How did you guys think of this? Even Ethan Hatim uh, actually started the company. 
basically what happened was we had a company before this uh, gaboli um, and we actually had a, a we had applied i mean we had posted a job on nokri um, and 1600 people applied three applied with the exact same resume word for word um, and that sort of three identical resumes three identical resumes including grammatical mistakes i will be working at infosys for last 5 years <laughs> so so uh, that got the noodle spinning and we said hey this looks like maybe we can uh, solve some of that problem uh, especially because we felt a lot more transactions are going to go online or are going to get virtual um that at that point you can no longer meet the person and decide it has to be uh, more uh, automated more online more uh, sort of uh, less uh, uh, personal interaction required to do a uh, you know transaction authentication process as you started ibify and the company sort of took off and you started handling more and more clients what sort of problems what sort of challenges did you face in the in the first few years it was obviously about uh, getting the product market fit hmm. right um um so we started the hr first because that was there a culture of doing this sort of thing in the hr people that you yes, with yes exactly okay. so there was something called background verification so mm-hmm. we said hey at least there's this uh, pr- process which exists uh, we can just speed up that process make it better uh, add a add a bit of technology because most of uh, our competitors at that time had no techno little or no technology at all um, okay. um and so we sort of uh, were the first to introduce uh, some basic technology not even we didn't even um at that point uh, in the first couple of years we hadn't broken the you know system or anything like we we like literally uh, built basic technology workflows mm-hmm. um uh, log log on screen things like that mm-hmm. um over over a period of time that sort of became more automated checks and um, so we moved towards uh, real time detection re- being able to detect um, tampering in cards etc which is where we are now so that's sort of where we moved to but we started from a very basic uh, you know get a database together get, get uh, transactions to flow through and see uh, and do verification but basically doing it through workflow automation and, and you're saying that this sort of stuff didn't happen with any of the competitors no not, uh, most of them were working through excel and word documents and uh, so we were the first ones to introduce that so job applicants to ibify must be really sure of their back actually really sure surprisingly no uh, we do get a lot of red cases there as well and i'm i'm, I'm always surprised by that Don't you know that you're applying to a, to a company which is detecting fraud? <laughs> Why would you not uh, check your stuff? But yeah, I see. Uh, we we get the about the same percentage, about four to five percent. So so is, is that sort of uh, typical of industry? Three to four percent? Um, depends on the industry. Like mm-hmm. a BPO could range between about eight to fifteen percent. Um, wow. Uh, versus uh, tech could range anywhere from about four to eight uh, percent. I know, of course, that you you work with lawyers. many times yeah. over, over the course of the years um so i'm going to ask you to sort of walk us through some of that i worked with bhavin so i'll <laughs> <laughs> this is my chance to uh, <laughs> get it all out get it all out uh, but uh, okay so first step is uh, we do work uh, extensively with lawyers especially because a lot of the work that we do um uh, uh, kind of has uh, privacy uh, consent um you know data protection as as a core of what we do is is around is touching upon these topics anyway mm-hmm. and we we have to be careful about where do we uh, fall within the law and where we don't mm-hmm. uh, especially with privacy um, uh, and data protection is an obvious but that that i think generally as as, as tech systems we tend to always take that into account but privacy and consent is something which uh, which even maybe even until maybe 4 5 years back wasn't as big a deal as it is now. Yeah. Um so I think that's a big one where we have been uh, involved extensively with lawyers including Bhavin. 
um, as well as other lawyers. So we, then the third bit is around contracts and uh, legal uh, legal contracts with customers. The most painful, obviously, is privacy and law. That's because of Bhavan. <laughs> no, uh, uh, jokes aside, I think it's because the rules are changing on a daily basis. Yes. And in India, it's changing literally on a daily basis. And uh, two different departments in India tend to have completely differing views on what uh, privacy and consent and uh, all of this means. Uh, so, and we, we are sort of right bang in the center of all this, uh, all these issues. Um, just to give you an example, right? Um, if you look at the KYC norms as far as RBI is concerned, they tell you to hold a hard copy, store it, uh, keep, keep the hard copy with you. That's what they tell the bank. But UID has a very specific request that no data, no hard copy should be stored. Now, how do you satisfy both of these? Uh, and both are government departments, right? Um, so these are some of the issues, like, I think in general, India is still catching up probably to making sure that we are, uh, you know, the governments are all working together. But this is where I think we have been using a lot of help from Bavin as well as other lawyers that we have, is around how do we maneuver through uh, these so since the time you set up this business, have you seen any improvement or any deterioration in how how good the legal system has been uh, in grasping uh, the problems that entrepreneurs in the tech space uh, face? I think in general, like so there are two ways to look at this problem, right? One is from a government perspective, the other one is from a legal profession perspective, and the third is obviously what the Supreme Court or etc. do, right? I to be honest, uh, though uh, we have been uh, affected by uh, the UAD verdict of Supreme Court, like I think their observation from uh, 27th of March, I think what they uh, said was spot on, right? Um, consent is a must. Privacy is is a is a you know should be something which is a fundamental right. So there's nothing wrong in what the Supreme Court has said. So I think from a judiciary perspective, India is probably taking the right decisions. Uh, from a legal profession perspective, I think they are still grappling with what's happening in the in the in the world, right? Because we don't know how does GDPR affect Indian uh, 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 people with uh, of Indian origin, or how does how do people how how does someone who moves from UK to India now which law are they going to be uh, governed by? Governed by? Uh, these are some of the issues that I think. Largely, none of us know the answer to, and I mean, we are all struggling through it. And I've been talking to Bhavan about that as well. How do how do we deal with this this issue? And then now the new Sri Krishna Commission, um, whatever the report, report the draft, the draft, I think it's going the GDPR way, but that again opens up this whole new can of worms. And I don't think uh, anybody knows what's going on per se, Um, or. Or even the people who drafted it, do they actually understand what the ramifications are to every single thing that's happening in this in India? I don't know if they're thinking through all those problems. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, <clears throat> there's sort of a general progress in the system and the judiciary is leading the way, but um, perhaps very often uh, the legal profession isn't always able to predict issues yeah. that entrepreneurs might face. Yeah. Sort of give you a solution before a problem arises. Yeah. Uh, one is before the problem arises or even, even for example, uh, uh, just to give you context, right? In, in the, uh, even, even if you look at a GDPR, ha- have they thought through all the, uh, all the scenarios? Mm. Uh, do they know that, well, is it even possible to monitor certain things? Mm. Um, like for example, uh, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Now in GDPR, they've, they've talked about how you cannot store my data without my permission. Now you have CCTV everywhere in, in the country, sure. uh, yeah. or and globally. Now 
if I want to delete my photo from that CCTV, do I have the right to delete it? How will you go about doing that? Right. right? So it's not about just whether uh, the legal profession ha has the rules properly laid out, but ha ha have you have they thought about the ramifications of what that means mm. to every single technology that we have developed till now mm. and the things that we are doing as a, as a country, right? Uh, should we now take down CCTV? Should it... If somebody comes and says, I, I need my photo removed from the CCTV, what do you do? Right. I think that's what I'm, I meant. Like, it's not about yeah, just yeah. catching up. It's about more about, do they even know all these little the nitty gritty the practical implications of all of this? So this is, uh, this, this is really interesting sort of uh, statement. And then you give me a nice segue to my next question. Yeah. I'm just going to pick that up. You're, you're talking about how people, the people who make rules may not always understand how technology works. And they may not possibly have thought through all the situations that can arise. Now, there's this system that we've got in the country which involves courts, which involves criminal courts. And we have three tiers, sometimes more, and then, uh, you know, there has been this effort to digitize the courts and, and maintain court records and so on and so forth. And all of this technically is public data. So theoretically, everyone should be able to access it. Um, I know that one of the main things that you've been doing is helping uh, organizations identify whether a potential employee has some sort of conviction, some sort of criminal conviction or some sort of criminal record. Um, so this is curious because there is this data, it's public data, everyone should be able to access it, yet there's a problem. And you've managed to leverage this gap between the demand and the fact that data exists in an unstructured, let's just, let's just call it badly structured manner. But you've been able to step in, you've been able to use technology to bridge that gap. So could you talk us a little bit through all of that? So yeah, so we use uh, data science machine learning to be able to read um, court, record, court records and make sense out of it. Um, um, not only machine learning, we just sometimes it's just basic heuristics as well around uh, what does this act mean versus something else. It's about being able to crawl, like if, if you look at uh, the e-courts, today if you want to search somebody's, um, whether somebody's a criminal, you now you have to enter the data on, um, uh, there are about, if, you, if I were to look at number of time, uh, drop downs that I need to go through, there I would have to make 3,600 drop down changes in order to get to a final uh, response. For one individual. For one individual, right? Because you would go through each of the district courts and one by one and then go to which hearing and then yeah. uh, which judge, I guess, and then... And then so by uh, the time you finish checking right. whether Bhavan has committed a crime, he yeah, has time you, to go commit another crime. Yeah, or uh, Bhavan's dead by then. Oh, Bhavan's dead. <laughs> <laughs> right? So uh, what we did, we just sped that up. Made, made, you know, we were now able to... Do, and technology allows you to do this, right? You can run uh, run through all these searches without without going through so many drop downs. Which technically, I feel uh, the court systems could have easily made it possible to do that, uh, and maybe they should expose their APIs to some extent to be able to do these searches because this is a very 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 important piece of data, especially if you're hiring someone, if you're giving a loan to someone, if uh, for example, if you're an Airbnb host, uh, I would definitely want to know whether my host is. Your guest uh, uh, is. Uh, I, or no, no actually, in, in, in India, it's the it's other way around, right? The host can be. So I would definitely want to know if I'm staying in somebody's house, whether that person, uh, even oh, for that matter, renting a home, uh, whether the uh, ho the rent, uh, the tenant as well as the landlord are, are they okay? You know, that's something which I would love to, I would want to know as well, right? And in, in those scenarios, I think it's important to be able to expose the court record system uh, uh, to people to. For people to search through and search in an easy way uh, so that's what we have done so so i saw this little thread i'm just going to sort of pull it and see how much i can yeah. unspool here 
uh, we, we've been talking about um, how organizations want to hire people. It's important for them to yeah. know whether what who these people are. Yeah. For convenience sake, let's just say that. But uh, this is something very new. Given the fact, or, or given how everyone talks about how Indians aren't concerned about privacy, Indians aren't really careful with their data or information, we're talking about things like hosts at, at Airbnb. We're talking about situations like home rentals and so on and so forth. Um, in, have you seen Indians as individuals being concerned about finding out about other people's past or doing a proper verification or is this something that we still need to develop a culture? I think Indians, uh, as Indians, uh, our risk radars are very, very low, right? Like, you know, we don't, uh, we don't think that something is going to go wrong with us. Um, it's always going to go wrong with someone else. Um, so our... Uh, our checks and balances when we take a home or when we marry a person or, or take a job or is relative like we don't do any check on the other place other side but at all. Ki ka uh, ka okay. exactly uh, and maybe not even <laughs> right maybe it is your uh, matchmaker pujari uh, uh, who said ha wo, wo family bahut acha hai family bahut acha hai banda to kuch bhi ho sakta hai Right, uh, um, and and those kind of scenarios is how we decide. And in fact, we decide life-changing. We make life-changing decisions without doing any checks. I mean, it should be the government's job to ensure that uh, you know there is some form of identification which you can use in order to both establish your identity and for somebody else to figure out uh, whether or not you say who you are. That's not happening clearly. I mean, we've got these bunches and bunches of things. We've got Aadhaar now, which was supposed to be the one ID number to replace them all. Um, you work closely with that. You've seen how that changed. You've talked about the Supreme Court judgment as yeah. well. Um, do you think that that's the solution? Do you think that that's the key or that's still not cutting it? So there are two parts to the problem. One is whether is Ashok and does Ashok Haryan exist? Is Ashok Haryan the person who is, uh, is Ashok Haryan the guy I'm transacting with? And th what is Ashok Haryan's past? Hmm. Right? There are, like, there are actually three. Right? Uh, does Ashokarian exist is what, what an ID is supposed to do, right? Um, and that's what establishes that I exist. Hmm. Uh, the authentication part, which is is Ashokarian Arir and the person doing the transaction, hmm. is where your biometrics come into play. So technically, Aadhaar covers those two bases. Then the third bit is about your history, about what you have done in the past, etc. Hmm. Um, which job, I mean, how did you perform well in your job? Did, did you have a past where you've you, you had criminal records. Uh, where, are you uh, are you likely? Uh, where do you live? Mm. Uh, these are these are more things which, which the government doesn't need to know. According to me, the government should not get involved in the third piece at all, because that's that's getting into, into a very dangerous territory of you uh, terming people as you're a bad person versus good person, and I don't think that's the government's job. Uh, yeah, and, and I think I, I see your point when you say that uh, the government should judge, shouldn't judge people. Yeah. Bias comes into being. Yeah, I think I'm, right. uh, as an employer, I'm I'm best uh, placed or suited to decide who who you, I can work with. Exactly. I can't work with. Exactly. And I don't think I want the government knowing exactly. how I performed in my job, or what grades I got in school. Exactly. Exactly. Or or you know, China is going into that dangerous territory of scoring people. Yeah. Um, I don't think government should be doing that at all. Right. Um, so that's something which I would I would not want the Indian government doing, and I don't think they will either. But that's that's where. So so there's always going to be, or at least as, as things stand now and as we can see them, there, there is going to be a need for private enterprise to step in. Correct. And uh, I think uh, what's important for people who are listening, uh, what's important for them to understand is the fact that uh, there is 
always work that you can do with government data, with public data, which can enhance the value to people yeah. who need access to that. So even for that matter, even ID verification. So ID is given by the government, but verifying that ID, right. um, you, you might not want to go and talk to uh, the local uh, L ward mm -hmm. uh, in Kurla to see if you can you verified that person. That's just that would be just very cumbersome for a person to do. Yeah. Uh, so you might want to deal with a independent, like you know, a private party because we we tend to be faster. You don't have to pay me anything on the on the side to get you, get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just the I, I think that just enabling faster transactions is where private enterprises are really good at. Um, and I think even even if there's an Aadhaar, then there is a need for a private enterprise to be able to make make that uh, connection between the government and and then end uh, end user. As we wind things up, I I would like you to tell us, and I'm not going to say three things or four things or five, but what is it that you would like to see change, both as an entrepreneur and as a citizen who's who's been involved with these issues, who's been concerned with these issues. What would you like to see changed in, in the way legal profession interacts with entrepreneurs, in the way the legal system works for business, for, for entrepreneurs who are setting up on their own uh, without some kind of massive backing, either corporate or personal, behind them? And as a concerned citizen, what do you think should happen? Where would you like to see entrepreneurs putting their energy if they want to work with the legal system and the legal profession to make things better? I, I think uh, uh, from a general uh, judiciary and, and government perspective, I think uh, just making it easy for people to understand what's going on right? would be uh, would be the first good step, right? And in the sense, uh, I see this a uh, lot where, for example, GDPR, I didn't have to read the whole uh, uh, GDPR, like, you know, uh, whatever you call it, uh, the, uh, the entire deck, uh, text. There was a summary which they started with, which just tells you what the principles of GDPR are. Mm -hmm. I don't think in, uh, Indian judiciary takes the time to explain what is the principles that they are operating under? Uh, or the legislator. Or the, leg uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or the legislator, right? So that would make it like a lot more easy for me to understand, okay, what is a, what is a general uh, gist, of, gist of what, what this is. I don't want to read the whole thing and I won't understand half the things, right? Uh, and, and, and yet you can't plead that as an excuse for not following uh, the law. Exactly. Um, right. so, so, so just being able to explain it in simple terms is an important um, thing, step that uh, the, legal system. the legal system should take up as a as a, uh, as a solution, right? Um, that's one. Second, uh, I think in general, just talking to lawyers again, it goes into this uh, lot of verbiage. <laughs> <Bob, laughs> <gonna> <laughs> it's, it's not me we're talking about. Right, right. Uh, there seems to be just unnecessary. Like uh, for example, why does my SSA or SHA need to be three hundred and fifty pages long? Uh, there's simple terms in there. I, I, I'm getting into a very, very simple ag agreement with the VC. Like half these things don't need to be there. We are taking uh, things into account, which the only scenario where that will happen is if the company dies. If anyway, if the company dies, I don't care. Neither does the VC. It's dead. Uh, and we write about 25 pages worth of uh, documentation just on that scenario. Uh, like I don't even care about that scenario because I'm, anyway I'm not going to make any money if that scenario happened. Um, so like literally there are these there are these things in there which just doesn't it's just to tick all the all the boxes kind of thing right and maybe I, I don't know I don't know if it'll ever change but that would be my hope is that don't unnecessarily write verbiage for no reason. You know, I guess with <laughs> the Indian lawyers though, the risk radar is very high when it comes to deals. <laughs> yeah.
and uh, obviously you want to be able to uh, hourly you know <laughs> the hourly rates might be high enough <laughs> so so there are different reasons for that but uh, but i'm just saying you know that that might be a no, and, and good think, starting point <laughs> and i think this is a very sort of consistent set of points you made about how uh, it's basically about access yeah i don't understand the law or i don't understand the contract that i'm signing i don't see the point of what i'm signing yet the lawyers all around are telling me sign it sign it sign it yeah. i have to yeah so i, th- I think that's that's so important. simplification simple language simplification i right. think just making uh, it, i don't think legal needs to be this uh, new uh, new language it can, yeah. why can't it just be english right <laughs> So that's my basic. I mean, I'm sure every all both of you also think that it's English, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's a fair point, and, and and lawyers across the world, judges, legislators across the world are embracing plain English. It's it's a moment that's rapidly gathering steam. It, it hasn't happened to the extent in India that it's happened in other places. But yeah, I mean, we don't want to have to spend time on useless trivia either. Yeah. So that that was one. Um, from uh, from a citizen perspective i think uh, india's uh, I, i actually like what's happening here yeah. um, we are make, we are taking the right decisions around privacy around consent around um, all the things that the supreme court stands for i, I think it's brilliant that our country functions as the way it does this is one part of the country which I'm, works <laughs> so that's the bit that i wanted to sort of I want to put my finger on that wound there. Yeah. We were talking about the judiciary consistently. Yeah. We're talking about how you know the judges are doing a pretty good job. Pretty good job for a country like ours. We haven't spoken about the government and regulators. No, and, no. No. <laughs> no. That's a different animal. That's a different animal. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I think uh, the judiciary has done a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government, I think, has done at times a great job. At times it hasn't, uh, mm-hmm. and it will continue that way. I presume, uh, looking at the past, mm-hmm. uh, there's you know. as we are getting closer to elections things are going to change sure. right after elections things will change again <laughs> that's the nature of the beast and uh, so i'm i'm, uh, I'm yeah i i like i'll leave it at that <laughs> final part which is uh, you know let's say there's there's someone much like uh, you know the people behind amla were at one point maybe someone who's just finished law school and says no i'd, I'd rather get into business or I mean, someone who's not a lawyer but but says oh you know i'm interested in the legal system i think there's something to be done here what advice do you have for them what areas do you think entrepreneurial energy should be most directed towards to try and improve the legal system don't okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> well given some of my experience in the past i would agree but so i uh, know i i um i think uh, there, there are i mean there are few areas where uh, we struggle uh, at least i struggle with right uh, just contract uh, Hmm. figuring out what contracts mean right um right um second uh, second area which is important is just coming up with new contracts right like hmm. I, it's just a pain in the ass to write new contracts which will which both parties agree to hmm. um being able to uh, uh, come up with a way for me to figure out uh, you know between like let's say i have 10 15 contracts i want to know um and this is something which i struggle with right when does this contract end by just by not typing it up in any any sort of uh excel or something but like is there a general uh in in the finance world there's this xml like the uh, xbrl which is used for um sort of uh, looking at how what uh, income statements look like and what uh, what uh, balance sheets look like so you can then summarize it and do analysis on top top of that why can't is there a way to standardize Right. uh contracting you know in a way that all parties are easily able to figure out what what are the important pieces of this hmm. uh that would be a very interesting problem to solve i think 